0: When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him, because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. As for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow the Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God.
1: Check. Hey, hey, good evening. It's so good to see all your faces. Thanks, Sarah. Um, my name is Daniel, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, this is always a joy. I love getting to share God's word. See a lot of new faces here tonight. So glad you're with us. Um, so, we've been in the book of Daniel, uh, which is, was so good, and now we're jumping back into the Gospel of Luke. And I'm so excited about that. We, uh, at, at All People's Church, we like to take. Books of the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament books, and walk through them little by little, because we believe, as we just sung, that God has something for each of us in these words, that these words are profound and should shape our lives. So I'm eager to hear from the Lord. Are you? We want to hear from Him. So um, last year, we finished up, we paused in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, where we're told that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Set his face to go to Jerusalem. So up to this point in the book of Luke, we've seen the origins of Jesus' life and his ministry, but here there's kind of a hinge point where Jesus is, is making a journey to Jerusalem. And as he journeys, what is put on display throughout the rest of this book is his devotion to to the plan of salvation, that he would become the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He set his face to go to Jerusalem to die there. And we see not only his devotion to God and that plan, but his devotion to us, his devotion to you and me. He came to seek and save the lost. That is a primary theme of the Gospel of Luke. And he He came to people that are unexpected. We're gonna to begin to see that, that he comes to not just the, the powerful, but he comes to the poor, to the out, outcast, to the broken, to the weak, and and he gives the kingdom to such as these. And he corrects those who misunderstand what his kingdom is like. So today, as we get into Luke, we're gonna we're gonna talk about stumbling blocks to following Jesus with everything. We're gonna talk about stumbling blocks now. Let me just tell you, one of my greatest stumbling blocks, I think, is is uh, not unique, but but common for a lot of us in America. It is comfort. Anyone else want comfort? Yeah, comfort is is so common. You know, that we, we we strive for comfort in all of life. We want we want life to be easy and fun, and that's just kind of the waters that we swim in in America, the American America dream, right? American dream. Now, for me. What that looks like as, as a Christian is I, I I know that God is good. I've tasted and I've seen. Yes. What it what it leads to though is me trying to make a little heaven on earth. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I've I've tasted and seen like I've been wandering in a desert and come upon, come upon this this well, this spring of water, and I'm I'm sitting there just dunking my face and, and swimming and drinking. That's what we've enjoyed as, as Christians, but sometimes I find myself wanting to set up camp by that spring and refuse to go out into the desert wasteland that God calls me to go to. The Christian life is not going to be heaven on earth for us. Jesus makes that very, very clear, even in what he's about to do as he's headed to Jerusalem. And yet so often we refuse to to leave that place. In fact, Jesus has called us to take the spring with us as we travel as sojourners in this world and invite others to drink from that same well. And we promise that people will hate us as we do it. The life of a Christian is not easy. It never has been, it never will be. It's in fact costly in real, tangible ways. Why? Because the kingdom of the world clashes with the kingdom of God that we are now a part of in Christ Jesus. Jesus said that the way is narrow and those who enter it are few. So why do I, why do we try to make our lives and, and the kingdom that we are a part of so easy? Why do we expect it to be easy? Why do we expect it to be easy? There are many stumbling blocks to following Jesus with everything, right? There are many. And Jesus shows us in our text today that it's not just the, the great evils that, that we're trying to flee temptation. You know? It's not just those things, but even the good things, even family, wives, children, homes, our desires, our futures, even those things become stumbling blocks to us giving everything to Jesus, to following Him. So I believe this, this is what God's challenge for us today in this text is just to simply ask you, what is keeping you from following Jesus with everything? What is the stumbling block? What's keeping you from following Jesus with everything? This is not just for you, church. This is for me. I have heard this word Has have been preparing, and God is convicting my heart, and I pray that he does minister to all of us and help us to shape our lives around what Jesus calls us to do, and really to follow him. So let's get into the text. I need a drink of water. I don't know. Is anyone else thirsty there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thirsty for the word and water. Um, so, in verse 52, Jesus is on his journey. And we see that Jesus and his disciples are passing through various villages. And what, what Jesus did along the way is he would send his disciples to go ahead of him and make preparations. And he's doing that, and he's, he's basically, along the way, on his way to Jerusalem, he's calling people to follow him. And, and here we, can, we encounter, in verse 52, the first stumbling block to following Jesus. Stumbling block number one should be up on, on the screen. There's a slide. Jesus confronts our worldview. Read with me verse 52. It's, it's right there on the screen or you can follow along in your Bibles. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. That's awesome. I like that you're reading. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Now it's easy to overlook verse 52 as some rather useless details. Like this is, this is just kind of Jesus' traveling narrative. But... But there's something profound that this verse has for us. You know, when, it, when the president of the United States will go to a city, he will send people ahead of him to make preparations, right? The same is, the same is true in this day. Maybe more true. If there was an important ruler who was going to visit a town, people would go ahead to say, hey, somebody important is coming. You should be here and you should listen up. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. Jesus the true king of Israel was showing up and he was sending people ahead of him to get their attention, to be ready to listen to him because he was calling for people's allegiance as the king of Israel. He came and he was sending his disciples ahead of him. Okay, so, and just as Jesus, I need you to hear this. Just as Jesus was descending on these little villages, Jesus will again come to us and there is nothing more important in this life than whether we are ready to receive him or whether we will foolishly reject him. There is nothing more important. We're going to see how people respond to Jesus as they show up. So before we even really learn about any of the details of this interaction with the Samaritans, we're told that they just simply would not receive him. Why? Because he was headed for Jerusalem. That's interesting. Uh, you, you, you interact with somebody, and you say, I've had it to Lake Street, and they're like, get away from me. Like, that's... Like, I mean, maybe somebody might say that, because they don't want to go to Lake Street, but... like, But no, this is... this is There's something more going on here, and, and I think it makes most sense if you understand who the Samaritans are and, and what's happening here. So, before Daniel, the book of Daniel, before Daniel and the Israelites and the southern kingdom was exiled to Babylon, the Bible tells us that Israel, the northern kingdom, was exiled ahead of them. And and during that time and around that time, these, these Israelites were intermarrying with foreign nations. They were intermarrying against God's command, and the Samaritans were a result of that intermarriage, so Hallelujah. not only had they broken God's commands in intermarrying, they also set up separate worship places for themselves. And there's a problem with that because God had said, "Jerusalem is where I dwell. This is my presence. This is my house, and this is my people." So, so there's there's some things that play here with their rejection of Jesus going to Jerusalem because he's going to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. There's a theological. Difference. Jesus' heading to Jerusalem was a validation to some degree of, of, the, of Jerusalem and that religious system. And it was actually a rejection of the, the Samaritan path. And they couldn't accept it. Jesus was confronting the Samaritan's worldview and it caused them to reject Jesus. How often is that true of us today? That we cannot accept Jesus... If he confronts our worldview, and here and here, here's what people try to do in our culture right now: is they want to say, you know, I actually like Jesus. He's a good teacher, you know. So, but so long as you don't mess with what I think, you know, don't make me believe that, and I'll, you know, I'm good with him. He's he's cool to me. But Jesus does not give that option. He never did. He, every person that he came to, there's a fork in the road. He calls for allegiance because he's king. He's right. Lord. He's God. Right. And so there's no option to say Jesus plus this other thing. And that's that's exactly what they wanted. They didn't want Jesus because he was messing up their, their system. So it is true of us, but Jesus... Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So negotiation, negotiations must end. It's got to be His way, right? So let me ask you today, is there something that Jesus teaches that hinders you from following Jesus with everything? Is something that Jesus teaches offensive to you? Now I would assume that most of us in here are not offended at Jesus, over the the exclusivity of Christ or his identity, or or even like the, the primary message of salvation, I, I would assume that that's not you, but it could be if it is. I, you're welcome here. I, but a lot of us have grown up around church, have been around this, and I and here's what I I think is is more often the case when God confront Jesus confronts our worldview. It's it's this. It's that Jesus. Demands that we follow him not just in our belief but in our action. Yeah, come on. So so when when the Lord says you may not commit adultery or you may not live this way or this way, all of a sudden you 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 start saying, you know, I don't really think that Jesus is God. I'm not sure that this is God's word. I've seen it time and time and time again. People make excuses and say that they have theological wish issues. With, they have issues with the Bible but what they actually are doing is they're, they're, they're trying to do what they want when they want they don't want they don't want to be confronted that their lifestyle must change when they follow Jesus' it's, it's word it's action it's worldview it encompasses all those things is there something that Jesus teaches that's a stumbling block is there something that he calls you to do that's a stumbling block? to you following Jesus with everything today. The Samaritans rejected him because of worldview, but they also rejected him over something else. They rejected him over ethnic tension. These two people groups, the Jews and the Samaritans, they absolutely hated each other. They would travel hours out of the way to avoid interacting with one another. They really didn't like each other. Like They really didn't. And I'm sure, even for Jesus' disciples, that it was surprising that when he was headed from Galilee to Jerusalem, that he was going straight through Samaritan land. It was shocking to them, because typically they, they went around, they went other ways. But Jesus, purposefully, goes, He knows what he's doing. He goes through these Samaritan villages, and he's preaching the same message of salvation to them. Notice in verse 54 how they responded, how the disciples responded to the rejection of Jesus. When the disciples, James and John, saw Samaritans reject Jesus, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Man, I wish I would have been there to hear actually what he said. Like That seems like a big deal, but... Here, here's what's going on. These, these zealous disciples, they had, they had some things right and they had some things wrong. What they had right is that the Samaritans really had disobeyed God. They really had uh, set up a worship system that was, that was opposing God's uh, rule, His word. You know, but what they had wrong and what Jesus rebuked them for is the way that they responded to it. They, the way that they responded to the Samaritans' rejection of Jesus. In fact, they, they wanted them burnt up like Sodom and Gomorrah now. Like, do that. I've seen that in the Old Testament. You should probably do that right now, right? No. Jesus says no. Yeah. And we don't know what he said exactly, but we, know, we, would, we would be well off to, if we look at other teachings of Scripture that Jesus, in, in Luke even... That he had come for people like these. He had come for people like these. And even though they they rejected him there, God was not going to bring wrath right then. He came to atone for them at the cross. He was still headed to Jerusalem despite their rejection. He was still headed to Jerusalem for their sake. So that he could die. So that the kingdom of God could be open to outcasts like them. Even them. Even the Samaritans. And we see in Acts, which is Luke's sequel to to this book, the Samaritans coming in droves to Jesus. Woo! That's crazy! So Jesus is compassionate. He's patient with these individuals. Yeah. Obviously, it grieves his heart when he reject when when he's rejected. But he is compassionate. He doesn't compromise truth. Yeah. He still presses on for his mission. But he's still compassionate and patient. Yeah. This has more implications mm-hmm. in our culture than we know. That's right. Right. Really, it it does, and I can't get into a whole lot of it. But oh. in our divided culture, men, We struggle a lot being patient and compassionate with those that are not of our camp. Theologically, politically, we struggle. And I'm concerned for the church. I am concerned for the fact that that many of us are better at communicating political philosophy, debating uh, politics and, and economics, and all these sorts of things. We're better at disagreeing with those we disagree with and fighting people on it than we are at sharing compassion and patience and, and the love of Christ. Come on. And I'm not talking about compromising truth. Jesus didn't compromise truth. That's right. But he still responded with faithfulness, with, with yeah. faithful preaching. He still went on preaching, yeah. and he was compassionate, and he was patient with them. Yeah. Would Jesus rebuke you? If he came and watched the way that you interacted with those he that you disagree with, what did he rebuke you? Jesus confronts our worldview, especially with hard about the most of us saying. The is not God's word, or Jesus is not is not Savior or King, but but in smaller things. It's in these harder pass- passages that our worldview is confronted. It is in these moments where we, we have to stop saying, I'm good, I'm, that's not me, that scripture's not talking about me. And we have to say, ah, Lord, oh, I'm sorry. Where we have to recognize that all these scriptures are... The Holy Spirit wants to highlight every single area that our worldview, our, our thought towards him, towards others is off. That's what Jesus is after. He wants to confront us and bring us into alignment with him. He does that mercifully with his uh, disciples. He does that with us. Jesus... Does this down to the most minute details, and, and he demands our allegiance. So I'm, I'm really quite amazed that Jesus didn't call fire down from heaven. <laughs> you know that's that's just just awesome. Like that he didn't. He could have. We see it in the, we see it in Old Testament. He did. God is God, including Jesus Christ. We're, we're told that Jesus Christ will come with wrath at the second coming. So it's not that he can't or that he's not angry at sin rebellion against his kingdom. He, he is, but, but he didn't do it. <laughs> Instead, he kept, what? Plot, he was plotting to the cross. He was heading to the cross. So as he traveled, Jesus identifies more stumbling blocks. Let's look at the next three encounters with Jesus one by one. Stumbling block number two. And this is the one Think for me today. Primarily, Jesus confronts your comfort. Read you, uh, silently with me. <laughs> As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. These are the kind of responses that I think Shocked the disciples. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, this person's saying they want to follow you, and you're like, hey, get ready for homelessness. It's like Elon Musk shows up here and he's like, guys, wherever you go, I'll go. Let's be homeless together. <laughs> like that, that sort of stuff is, it, it shocked his disciples. He says to a rich young ruler in another place, like, Go sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the man walks off. And the disciples are like, you blew it! Like this guy was rich! <laughs> right? That's not what Jesus is interested in. Jesus confronted people's comforts. In other words, he reminds us with this statement that if he, the promised Messiah, Daniel 7, son of man, would just... Talked about the glory of that man, the Son of Man, who is coming to receive a kingdom. If that guy's homeless, what more should we expect? He's, he's got less than the animals had. Jesus is reminding us, he's confronting our comforts. So, are you willing? He's, he's asking, are you willing to lay down your, your comforts? Are you willing to take up your cross in even this? Now, this was even more true in that day and age that, you know, if, if Jesus called you to follow him, it would have literally meant homelessness for you because <laughs> Jesus was was not everywhere at all times. Right. He was in one place at one time. And so so when he said to the man, I don't have a place to lay my head, he was literally saying, you're not going to have a place to lay your head either. And this was a stumbling block. even now that the spirit of god dwells with us we're still confronted with the same thing we're still confronted does your life does your life display that you're willing to lay down any comfort to follow jesus amen even even in this world even right now we we're being challenged by this text our, our comforts are being challenged. This verse hit, hit me hard this week as I was thinking about what it means to follow Jesus. I'm a dad. I love my wife and my, my son. And when I think about uh, some of the challenges that that following Jesus uh, entails, it, it scares me. Honestly, I'm like, Lord, I do not know how to reconcile like what was happening here sometimes. But, like, You read the stories of the missionaries, and how their wives and kids are dying on the field, and they're like, Lord, how can that be a good thing? The Bible says that you're worse than an unbeliever if you don't take care of, like, uh, provide for your family. Is Jesus, like, telling us to just throw our family and kids to the wind and just let them die if they die, like, follow me? No. Jesus is aware of what your family needs. He's aware of what you need. What Jesus is after, what Jesus is after is your allegiance to him. He's after your priorities. He's after, he's after your heart. Jesus is confronting those who subtly try to set up heaven on earth, which leads them to ultimately reject what Jesus would call them to do because they're too busy trying to create their kingdom of comfort knows our hearts following Jesus is not easy when the Schmitz and, and Beth Lane and others in our community cross oceans and and cross cultures to to preach the good news that is costly to their comfort it is costly when when people in our community we have people that have adopted that have adopted kids that is that is a challenging thing to care for the orphan. It's challenging. It's costly. And yet it's it's obedience to Christ. When, when we choose to live in neighborhoods around here that have high crime levels, that is costly. It's been costly to some in our family. And yet, we're called into some of that. We're called to be willing to do anything. Jesus doesn't necessarily say that every one of you leave your house, and your brothers, and everyone, and go right now. That's not everyone's call. Some of us have to stay and preach the gospel here. But we need to be willing. (laughs) We need to be saying, yes, Lord, whatever you have. You're Lord, you're King. If my comfort has to fall, then I'll follow you. This is what Jesus is confronting in this man and confronting in us today. So I would just ask you, would you check your heart like I am today and this week and ask yourselves, am I, am I subtly trying to create heaven on earth here? Am I subtly doing that? I really do believe that that's an idol for many of us. Be serious. Like, what, Jesus, are you calling me to? And calling me to follow you? What does that mean for my family? What is that going to cost me and my family? And what, what, what are you going to have me do? If this is true of you, I just, it's, it's time to consider. And don't let perishing things win your allegiance. Yeah. Christ and the kingdom are everlasting, church. Pursue what is everlasting. Let's look at stumbling block number three. Jesus confronts what's most important to you. Let's use our voices. Let's read that together. Jesus confronts what's most important to you. So verse fifty nine says that Jesus came to another and he said, "Follow me." But he said, "Lord, let me first go and bury my father." And Jesus said to him, "Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God." Well, first I wanna I wanna focus on these words, "Follow me." <laughs> I wanna focus in on the fact that that Jesus called someone to follow him. This is amazing. Church, I think we take for granted every day, I think I take for granted every day that God, who was on his throne, took on flesh so that he could use his voice and his presence to call us to be with him. That is marvelous. It is amazing that we've been called. That any of us, that He would want to be close to a sinner like me. Right. Yeah. And part of the reason that these stumbling blocks that we're talking about are so hard is this very thing: we we are we are too focused on this world. We're too focused. We have too small a view of the glory of God and the kingdom that He's called us to. That all of a sudden, the stumbling blocks look really, really big, and what Jesus is calling us to is like, "Eh, maybe. Like, that that looks okay, I guess. Oh, friends, as Pastor Ross said last week, he gave us this great illustration where he showed us, like, the human life is like this little bitty blip over here, (laughs) and we focus all of our energy and attention right here on making much of this, but the rest of eternity is for us. Yeah. And we ignore it! <laughs> like, like, that is what Jesus is calling this man to, and yet, him and all of us so quickly are like, yeah, yeah, I, I have some other things to do first. Okay, now let's, let's press into this. this. This is kind of a hard word, right? Jesus sounds really uncaring in this moment. Like, man, the guy's dad died. Like, what? having funerals. What? Jesus. Friends, we, we know from other scriptures that Jesus wept over this situation. He tells us in other places in scripture to weep with those who weep. This is not a, I hope you don't go home and say, ah, sorry, I can't go to your funeral. Jesus said, I gotta follow him. No, that's not what, what's going, what's, what is going on here. So I can't get can talk. No, there's something much more. Jesus is, is, again, testing this man's allegiance. He's testing what's most important to him. Man, I... Think about what I want to say here. (laughs) Jesus is not insensitive to you. But Jesus confronts our priorities. Some of us love things in this world, even good things like family, more than we love God. If, If we had to pick a place to start, like, what, what's the most important thing in this world? Family is not a bad place to start, right? But when Jesus says to us, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, what he's getting after is that God has to replace every other love, every other love has to come under that umbrella. God has to be first. God has to be first. He must be This is way of saying friend your allegiances to this world cannot be first. Cannot be allegiances to your family, but you must come and follow me right now. You see Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. The time was now. This man had an opportunity to walk with Jesus and experience the kingdom now. And in that time, it would have been shameful. It would have been dishonoring to the family, to the father, if this man would have chosen to leave the family and go with Jesus away while the rest buried him. But Jesus says, friend, your allegiances have to change. What's most important in this life has to change. In this world, it's passing away. That's what he's getting after with let the dead bury the dead. This world and its systems, it's passing away. But the kingdom of God, me, Jesus, everlasting. Get your priorities straight. You've got to make me the most important thing in this world, this life. This is what I think Jesus means when he says in another place, in Luke, And there's another scripture I threw up there. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and your mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. That's a hard word. God and his kingdom must be our first priority then family, then work. Everything else under that umbrella, everything else and everyone else must be loved and served out of our love for God. So is Jesus and the proclamation of his kingdom that important to you? You to test our hearts right now. Is Jesus more important than your work, than your family, than your money, does it show? Is your holiness? Is your sharing the gospel? Is your loving the least what's on your mind? Or is it all the other stuff? Okay, let's get into the final stumbling block. Stumbling block number four. This one's similar to the last. Jesus confronts the idea of life on your own terms. Jesus confronts the idea of life on your own terms. Verse 61, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those of my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now when I read this, again, the request seems very reasonable, right? If you're going to have to go away from your family and your home, it seems very reasonable to say, hey, let me just go say bye then real quick. Right? So again, Jesus, he, he seems insensitive. But I want you to notice this, this word, first. Let me first go. This is the same word that we see above. Let me first go and bury my father. And I, and I think that's important. Because Jesus is highlighting... What is of first importance to these individuals? Yeah, that's right. mm-hmm. Who has the first place? Who calls the shots in your life? More, more does, Do people, when they look in on your life, does it say to God and to others, yeah, Jesus and his kingdom can wait. I, first, let me do this. Or does it say to the world, I found the greatest treasure. I've got to go after him. I'll see you later. But I've I got to go. Like... Is that what it is? Like, you can't. You found the greatest treasure, so that you're, you're after Him. Yeah. Follow. The King of Majesty, the King of Glory, has called me. And this changes everything. Yeah, right. It changes how I interact with the world, mm-hmm. it changes what's first. Oh, man, I, I hear very often, and we, we hear this in our culture. I'm a little too young to settle down and do the religious thing, right? i you know, I, I want to have some fun first, right? I, wanna, I want the college experience. I want to live for a while. When I grow up, like, I, I'll get serious about God, like, later on. There's always an excuse. There's a good reason that now is not the time. And that's, That's sometimes true even for us, right? And I'm not talking about, like, are we following Jesus? Like, do we believe in him? But whenever Jesus says, hey, right now, I want you to take this step that's gonna be hard and awkward in following me. And we're like, yeah, I don't think that's for me right now. Like, I gotta go take care of this other thing. Friends, I understand that this world, we have, we have priorities, we have things we have to do, we have to take care of our families, we have to work, we have to show up to our job on time, all those things. But again, like, Jesus is, is confronting, in those moments, what is most important to you? What is most important to you? If, over and over again, you're like, no, it's not the time, Jesus. Like, I can't, no, no. Not this paycheck, not this stimulus check. Like, I really got it. I have this thing I've going to. Uh, I need it, <laughs> right? I need it. <laughs> we have a way of making excuses for why we can't follow God right now. But all of that, when we respond that way, shows that He's not King, He's not Lord. At least in that moment, for some of us, he's not, we're not giving him the place of lordship. We are taking it. We want to be able to leave the post when we want to. We want to come back when we want. We want to be lord of our life. So again, who has the first place? My concern for us, my concern for us, church, is that some of us do the church thing. We may even do the church thing really well. Like we have got... You know, gathering here, the missional community, the DNA group. And we show up faithfully with all those things. But when we go home, when we go to work, when we get on our leisure time, like that's that's my time. Like that's, we compartmentalize those two areas of life. And like we, you know, if Jesus tries to disrupt that area, we say, "No, no, 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 I'm doing the church thing. I'll do the church thing, but don't disrupt this area of my life. Not now. No, like I can't interact with my coworkers that way. Like that would be awkward because I gotta, I want to keep working here. <laughs> and I don't want them to think ill of me, whatever it might be. That's my concern for us, that it's sometimes on our terms. We're more consumers than we are followers. We come to just sit and and listen and and. Again, create heaven on earth, but we're not ready and willing to say, come on, we're going. People need to hear. Let's put our hands to the plow. We're not gonna turn back. Come on, let's go church, let's do this together. We're gonna make disciples, we're gonna obey it with everything we got. When he shows us areas of our life that we're missing, we're gonna say, honey, we're doing this. I don't know what you call your nostalgia, you got one. But we're doing this. Kids, we're doing this. We're gonna be on mission together. We're going to be a team. Kids in this room, this is not in my manuscript, but you need to know that you're part of it. <laughs> you have a great purpose in the kingdom of God. The kingdom belongs to you, to such as you. And the Lord wants you to be a team with your family in the way that you use your money, in the way that you use your time, the way that you pray, the way that you encourage those that your parents are trying to minister to. Oh, how cool would it be if all of our kids got excited about the mission of God? Yes, Woo! That would be sweet. Please. Man. Mommy, can we go tell our neighbor about Jesus? Boy. If you say to that kid, sorry, we gotta, we'll got have to do that another time. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> I get it. There's times where you gotta do it a different time. But, man. If your kid says that to you, you better make a priority. Sure. Showing them that you're ready to follow Jesus with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, let my son see me not making excuses for my comfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, my, let my kids see me making priority of Jesus first. Oh, my love for God, my desire for others to know him. It's greater than our our. Whatever. <laughs> it's greater than the money, the, the new house, the new car. Like, it's just greater. It's better. Yeah. Oh, let our lives... What if our lives were... We were ready to be disrupted if Jesus calls. Oh, Lord God, help us. I just... This is a word for... I believe that God wants this for our community. Yeah. Yeah. This is... This is what he wants. Father, please help us. Amen. We don't want to see another generation of kids that grew up in church walk away from you. Yes. Please let our kids see Christ and how we worship and how we pray and how we preach and the way that we use our money and our time. Oh, Lord. Pray for salvation of the kids lord that your spirit would be upon them right now for salvation Lord that this discipleship that we're doing right now that, that people would learn and be ready to follow Jesus Lord that they would it would overflow in conversation tonight and home and oh Lord in all that we do thank you Jesus everybody said that. that was that was sweet the Lord is good he likes to Change plans. That was not in here at all. Um, man, Jesus says, "Whoever puts their hand to the plow and turns back is not fit for the kingdom." Oh, you thought I was finishing? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sorry, I got like at least five more points. (laughs) Um, I'm coming to the to the end, and I'll give you a nod. You're the best. Um, Jesus said, "Whoever turns back from the kingdom, uh, from the plow, is not fit for the kingdom." Now I know from your lives. I've watched many of you. And you are count, you've counted the cost of following Jesus, and you're doing it anyway. Right? You're suffering, you're sacrificing, and i just got to say to you, press on. <laughs> like, you're, the glory awaiting you is insane, like, beyond our imagination. Ross said it, like, three times. I can't even describe to you what that would be like. <laughs> I like that, because it was, you, you just kept saying, it, like, I can't even describe it. <laughs> The glory coming to you is amazing. But others of us, I think, others of us are still saying, yeah, Lord, I'll follow you, but do not make me uncomfortable. Don't make me be awkward. Don't make me rub shoulders with those people. Lord, I'll follow you, but don't, don't make me give up this guy. Don't make me break up with him. Don't make me break up with her. Don't don't make me get rid of this television show. Or these video games. Friends, again, it's, it's not always these horrible, evil things, but it's sometimes the good things in life that keep us from following Jesus. Some of us are better at Halo, than at sharing the gospel with a neighbor. Like, I, I don't, I think video games are cool. I don't know about Halo, but uh, some people really like it.
0: <laughs> Halo's not bad. I would love to
1: play some Halo with you. But boy, if if like if you're not if you're not on mission, like give it up for good. <laughs> Just be done. What is Jesus? What is keeping you? From giving everything to Jesus? What's your ultimatum for following Jesus? The reality is, even the most devoted of us have at one time left the plow, had disordered priorities, tried to fashion a faith that fits. You know our worldview, all of us, none of us, are truly fit for the kingdom of God. I need you to hear that. But here's the good news. Jesus doesn't give up. He's not giving up on you. The reason he didn't call fire down on the Samaritans or on you right now is because of those sweet words. He set his face towards Jerusalem. He was paving the way to the cross. It will not ultimately be your devotion that saves you, but his devotion to you. Jesus was devoted. He set his face to live a holy life in perfect submission to God the Father so that all of us who believe in him would be counted righteous, like him. He set his face means that he was gonna go and die, drink the cup of wrath. He was gonna take it all. He was gonna bear the brunt of God's fiery judgment in our place on that cross. Him setting His face to Jerusalem meant that He was going to rise again and He was going to take His place at the right hand of God and He was going to intercede for you day and night and He was going to pour out His Spirit on you so that you could live holy lives in this world, sacrificing, following Him. That is the good news for you even as we all realize that we're not fit for the kingdom. Jesus' devotion is what's going to save you, not yours ultimately. And yet, we will be devoted to Him. Right? right? We will live in ways, as followers of Jesus, that befit the kingdom. We will prove with our lives that we belong to a different kingdom than this world. That we've seen, we've tasted, we've seen, we've drank from the water. And that's the most important thing to us. So our lives will look like that. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to pursue Him. Because we know how great that is, we will be devoted to him. And his promises, church, are sure. Luke 18, verse 29 and 30, read it with me. I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, be we repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. Why is Jesus good to tell us to sacrifice like this? because you gain the world, you gain everything. Chiefly, you gain Jesus. You get to be with your majesty. And a relationship with him means eternal life. It means getting everything back that you give up. This is why we keep drinking from the well. This is what keeps us keep running after him daily. This is why we're not ashamed to follow Jesus. This is why we go into the desert places to share with others the drink yeah. that is everlasting life. Yes. There are many obstacles that we face in this world. There are many stumbling blocks to following Jesus. But when we understand that those obstacles are molehills compared to the glory of God, <laughs> that we're going to receive the inheritance we're going to have the new heavens and new earth, man, those things. We want to we let go. We want to set free. It's just like what is, the, what is the word? It says we're lay down every burden that entangles us. And we'll run after him. We'll run into his arms. And we'll run to see him until we see him face to face. Church, this summer, this spring, tonight, tomorrow, let's set our hands to the plow. Let's take seriously following Jesus. The king has called us. And we... Yet to share this good news with others. Let's make them first priority. Let's let him take the wheel. Let's get dirty. Let's get uncomfortable. Let's follow the Lord yes. and never turn back. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Yeah, you can come on up. <laughs> Father, we praise you for this word that you gave us through your son. And we are just asking right now that as we worship, as we respond to you, that we would be ready to surrender all to you because you are king and the glory that you promise is greater than we can imagine. So help us, our Father, to repent of our sin, our idols, and to leap over those little stumbling blocks. They're big. The way way really is narrow. It's really hard, but only for a little while. You're opening us up to true freedom. Lord, help us to keep that fixed. In our sight, we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. amen.